Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. This is Episode 60 of Outlander Cast with Mary and Blake. I won't lie in that ditch again. I can't be helpless and alone ever again. Do you hear me? I hear you. I promise. Whatever happens, you'll never be alone again. I couldn't hold you to that, James Fraser. You have my word. Claire Fraser. All the way from Providence, Rhode Island, welcome to OutlanderCast. It's a podcast dedicated to the show Outlander on Stars. I'm your host, Mary Larson. My name's Blake. And I gotta tell you, that was a good episode. That was a good episode. And you know what? This is a good episode too because we have now reached the 60th episode mark. 60 freaking episodes of Outlandacast. Who would have thunk back in 2014 when we started this little podcast? That, uh, that we'd be getting 60 of these bad boys in. Hey, and we're going to keep on going, of course, with the great announcement that seasons three and four are happening. So we just want to thank all of you, you're gonna, all of you for, for listening and just staying tuned and helping spread the word about you, Outlander Cast. I bet you we get at least another 70 more out of this. What do you oh, think? Yeah. Another oh, 70 yeah. more? Let's do it. Yeah, I think maybe 80. <laughs> Jeez, you so, got to get to be with us for 140 episodes. Wow. Imagine that. That's a lot of time. Well... Just in case this wasn't exciting enough news between the season three and four announcement and us reaching our 60th episode, we wanted just to remind you that we were nominated for the podcast awards. This is huge, guys. We were nominated for both the television and film category, but also the big main prize, the People's Choice Award. So we need your help. We need you to vote daily. You get to vote once a day. The link is in our show notes. It's on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, the clan gathering, and anywhere else you can think of. Or you can just go to podcastawards.com. Please take the time to vote for us and to spread the love. Voting is going on for one more week, and that is it. It's ending, what, June 12th? Yes. Okay, June 12th. And if you get a vote for us, uh, you know, it's a vote for the Outlander community, essentially. Mm-hmm. That's what it really is all about. It's about spreading awareness of uh, Outlander and uh, helping us out a little bit. I, mean, I think right. I, I'd appreciate that. Just just actually, I would appreciate that a lot from you guys. Mm-hmm. So please do do us a favor. If you have already voted, thank you. Thank, thank you, you thank so you. much. You honor us. Uh, we're humbled uh, for the time that you have uh, given to us. Uh, but please continue to vote. And if you have yet to vote, 
please get on it if you get a chance and uh, I'd appreciate it. Now, again, as always, I will keep I will put the link uh, for the podcast awards in the show notes of this particular URL for this episode. Mm-hmm. So check that out. My love, it's time for the GBG. What do you got? Oh, my goodness. The fact that Dougal makes me laugh. And I don't even think he realizes he traced. He makes me laugh. So this is your good. That's my good. Okay. My good is is Dougal. He's back, and he thinks that he is the best thing since sliced bread. Is that what makes you laugh? <laughs> you know what? Let me me laugh. Is him coming down the countryside covered in mud with the Mackenzies and uh, just just having a grand old time. But yeah, he um he said a few things, and I just I shake my head. But I'm, I'm glad to have Dougal back. I love to hate Dougal. I love to uh, see the passion in Dougal. Graham McTavish is just an awesome actor, so I'm just I'm pumped that he's here. My bad to quote the Black Eyed Peas. Yep. Where is the love, the love, the love? Where's the love, Jamie and Claire? Okay, so in the beginning, we had Jamie putting his arm around Claire, and it was so amazing. I'm just missing. I'm missing their love. I, Of course, they didn't get to, you know, have have some intimate relations because they had to pack up and, and roll out after Jamie was able to dismantle the wheels. But I just miss it. I miss it. It's important to them. I know the bad stuff is going down, but I said it to Blake while we were watching this episode. I said, I wonder when she's going to get pregnant and start feeling not nauseous if she's going to feel nauseous of course she felt nauseous while she was pregnant with faith from the very beginning yep. so i'm wondering if she's gonna because we, we all know she's gonna get pregnant we we know this at some point soon mm-hmm. claire is going to be getting pregnant in the next few episodes well, so we, they we have only to, got four left they have to have sex at some point guys <laughs> so i'm just missing i'm not saying i need to see the consummation I don't even know when it's going to happen. Yeah, well, but I'm just saying that Jamie and Claire, I just want a little bit more love, and I feel bad because he, Jamie was looking at Claire so frequently while she was dealing with her PTSD, and he couldn't necessarily be by her side because he had to be like getting these troops ready. But I'm just missing it, and I just wish that there was even more. And I know we just can't because there's not enough time. So that's my bad, and then my good. Holy bloody hell! I need to go to Scotland tomorrow <laughs> because Scotland. Made me drool in this episode. All of those shots where it was like the sun was coming up behind Jamie. Arr. But you know, did you just purr? I did. That's oh my right. God, I, I'm purring for Scotland. I'm going to tell you that <laughs> gorgeous, gorgeous scenery. My God, I, I just want to be outside. I want to go outside right now. It's nighttime, and I want to go outside and just pretend that I'm in Scotland. It's raining. Feeling, I, I would put that perfect. Yeah. It rains all the time in Scotland. <laughs> I just think that it was gorgeous, and Scotland's tour. If it isn't already, I know it's already being beefed up thanks to Outlander, but after this episode, I bet you people are booking their trips. How about you? What was your GBG? Good was Claire's PTSD. That actually made this episode sing for Mm -hmm. me. Uh, As much as it was about Jamie, what made it hit home, what gave it a personal feeling was Claire's struggle with what she is doing and how she's going through her PTSD. And the fact that she didn't even really know she had it until right now. And then, boom, there it was. Really mm-hmm. liked that. The bad. <sighs> this is like, you know, the war movie tropes. Like, oh, we're going to meet and we're going to have this really intimate moment. And then, like, you know that these two guys are going to they're gonna die later on in the episode. And it's like the whole, like, battle and guy running and getting shot and Claire sitting there and waiting. It's like all these different tropes from war movies. Uh, it was predictable. Um, and it was, um, it was well made. It was well shot. Okay. But it was just a tad predictable for me. 
the 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 circumstance that she goes through in her flashback. Okay. So you just see it a lot in these different kinds of war movies, so you know what's going to happen pretty much. I wish they had a little bit more creativity to what they did. I don't think they had enough time. Uh, probably not. But the great, the great was the editing. Yes. This episode could have been a freaking disaster. It could have been so effing boring. It could have been so convoluted. But the editing of this uh, of this episode really, again, made this episode sing a lot because it it weaved in certain sounds. It weaved in certain scenes at the mm-hmm. right time. It weaved in uh, on key moments, on right beats. It felt natural. It flowed properly. You never got taken out because of Claire's flashbacks. You never got taken out because of a torture scene. You never got taken out because of Dougal running and, and running after the guys in, in the, the Highland fields. It just flowed right. And I have to give Melissa Lawson Chung, who was the, um, the editor, a ton of credit uh, because she did a fantastic freaking job. What do you got for your kilt rating, my darling? My kilt rating, I'm going to give it a 4.8 again. Wow. Okay, great. I really, really enjoyed this episode. Mm-hmm. I I truly did. I mean, I, I almost want to give it a five. I think, you know what? I'll give it a five. Oh, I ha- wow. Yeah, I'm going to give it a five. Wow. I really am. There wasn't necessarily anything that I would personally wave my finger at and say, mm-hmm. oh, that, that didn't feel right to me. I loved the music. Bear McCreary. Oh, you know, if Bear McCreary had a sticker chart for like all the good, all the good episodes, there'd be no scored, more stickers there left. There'd be no more. I would have given him all good job stickers. <laughs> so that was fantastic. I loved the acting, the the scenery, the editing. I mean, everything to me was just top notch. Yep. And I, I, I'm ready. I, I. I'm like the Fraser motto right now. I'm ready. I'm ready for some battle. How about you? What's your kilt rating? Well, first, let me say that I think that Bear McCreary has been the most consistent aspect of this show all season long. He has stood out in such a fantastic way. You can see why he is breaking into Hollywood now. You can mm-hmm. see why people hear his stuff and it's immediately recognizable. You can tell it's a Bear McCreary music, but it's so inventive that it just puts this show on another level. There is no outlander with Bear McCreary. That's, there's, fact, not opinion. That's it. <laughs> That's the end. Uh, but my kilt rating, 4.9. I'm giving this one a wow. 4.9 because I really enjoyed this episode i'm really excited i really really enjoyed it i would put this up there uh maybe a tick below the garrison commander uh and a tick below um faith Mm -hmm. the reason why i put it so high is because it was full of character yes all character moments i mean there was some plot some plot things that came through and, and but you have to have that every once in a while and i get that you know with like the 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 guys coming through the gates and and uh, you know the, the the beatings and everything that's a little plot driven but most of this I would say nearly ninety five percent of this was just all character mm-hmm. it was patient with itself it stayed with itself and that was what made it at least I'd say top four or three episode. Awesome. Awesome. All right. What do you got for the listeners? All right. Marilyn Lewis Neenan on Facebook said Jamie the General. 
Dougal's scheming and sneaky and Claire's memories of World War II and Jamie's inexperienced troops. It was amazing to see them carry on in their dedication, even though Jamie and Claire know the probable outcome. And the meaning of Jamie's declaration of, to Claire of, you will never be alone again. I'm already crying for what's coming. <laughs> Marilyn gives it five kilts. And Monica on Twitter said, A plus five kilts. Loved the music. Can't wait for soundtrack release. Jamie is a natural at being in charge. Love it. And Empress2605 on Instagram wrote, Jamie leading and training his men to war. Claire's flashbacks. Dougal getting his sorry ass kicked by both Jamie and Claire. In fact, this is a GGG, not a GBG. Four kilts <laughs> and, a, <laughs> and a plaid for that episode. Yeah, you know, I can see why uh, they, everybody loves this episode. In fact, from what I could see uh, in the clan gathering and throughout Twitter and Instagram, this was probably the most widely praised episode uh, among all of the fans. Hmm. Um, not to say that it, they loved it the most, but it was the most consistently praised. Like people loved Faith, but some people had a problem with it. Uh, lots of people had problems with the pre uh, with the last episode we just watched prior to this one. Um and, but this one was just most widely considered like four and four plus to five plus kilts by okay. everybody. Do you know what I mean? I do. So uh, I was really uh, pleased by that. <sighs> you ready to get into the discussion, my let's darling? Let's do this. All right, let's do it. All right, so this episode was titled Jesse Pui, and it is the Fraser's motto, which means I am ready. That's right. And so I think today we are going to talk about people being ready or not ready. Well, well, before we do that, we got to give you some particulars here. Yes. Written by Matt B. Roberts. Love, love, Producer of the love. show, a uh, friend of the show. He spoke to us last season. Get If you get a chance, go back. Uh, he actually spoke to us about The Reckoning. Uh, he, so, uh, he actually wrote The Gathering, The Reckoning, The Search, Best Laid Schemes, and he also has one more episode left uh, for this particular season. Directed by Philip John. And like I said, what I told Mary... Uh, when I first saw it, never trust a man with two first names. Can't do it. <laughs> that's that's just that's just a rule. That's an unwritten I rule in this you. world. Yes. Never trust sure. a man with two two first names. Uh, it looks like he actually has three more episodes this season. Uh, so he's going to have a big voice uh, in Outlander season. So excited! Two. And uh, he is famous actually really for a lot of English television and uh, BBC stuff. But he is most famous for six episodes. Of Downton Abbey. Uh, in uh, His episodes have appeared in seasons four, five, and six. The DP on this episode was Neville Kidd. Uh, and we all know him. His most famous episodes are Untimely Resurrection, Both Sides Now, The Wedding, and The Way Out. So you can see why Scotland and everything looked so beautiful mm -hmm. this episode. Because, ne team. because Neville Kidd, uh, who also did a lot of the DP work for Sherlock, uh, was in charge of all the lighting and camera work and everything. He is the absolute man. So, and again, I want to call up Melissa Lawson Chung. She was the editor because she did a fan-freaking-tastic job. I'm so proud of her for what she did. This could have been a real disaster. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. It was great. Excellent job. Mm-hmm. So... Who what we're doing? Who is ready and who is not ready? Yeah. Okay. I like that. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna throw you a curveball here. All right. Who do you think is most ready to go to battle? Ooh. After this episode. 
Ooh. You know, the easy one is to say Jamie, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm not going to go there. Oh, really? No, I'm not going there. I think the most ready to go to battle is probably Murtaugh. He is. He's on point, man. Him and Arlie Ermey, the guy from uh, Full Metal Jacket. <laughs> Let's talk about Murtaugh's skills and whipping these guys in shape. Wow. Getting right in their faces. That was fantastic. And I love how he was like, Jamie Fraser taught me this. You know, I yeah, learned yeah. this from him. And of course, you got some really good backstory mm-hmm. that, that Jamie does have experience in this. He does know what's coming. Right. And that's why I think... He knows what's coming, but I don't think he's ever been in charge of anyone the way that he is now. Murtaugh or Jamie? Jamie. Okay. And that's why I say he is not as ready as Murtaugh, because Murtaugh, I feel like, is doing what he is supposed to be doing. He's out there. He's kicking ass and taking names. I mean, you know what? He's not even taking names. He's just kicking ass, right? Yeah. yeah. And he's, he's telling men what to do, how to do it, what to wait for. But he is not the guy that's in command. I mean, I'm sure he, on, on some level, is commanding people. And he's obviously telling people what to do. But he's like a drill sergeant, not a general. Mm-hmm. You know, drill sergeants can't do what generals do. And I feel like Jamie is the general. He is in charge of the whole thing. And I'm not quite sure if he's ready for that quite yet. Because before, when he was in France, he's a soldier. That's what he was. He wasn't in charge of anybody. That's that. That just is it, it. Again, fact, not opinion. It is what it is. So that's why I say he's not as ready. Who, How about you? What do you think? Who is most in charge? Oh, you oh, mean who, who is most, most ready? Who is most ready? Um, gosh, I think <laughs> I think uh, Dougal is ready to fight. Really, Dougal is ready to fight. Okay. Uh, well, because I just don't want to copy you with Murta. I would, I would have said Murta as well. Oh, really? I would have said Murta. Well, you always copy everything I order I when, when, when we eat, so I figured you I might know. as well. Every time we go out to eat, she orders the same exact thing as I do every time. I'm, it drives I'm, me nuts. I'm excited for uh, for all of he, he and uh, Lard Bucket and Big Head. I think <laughs> I think that team <laughs> are ready to fight. They are not ready, in my opinion, of of what's to come. But I think that they are emotionally ready. Okay. Uh, they have no idea what's going to happen. Though. All right, well, who was the most least ready, in oh, your opinion? God. Claire. Oh, that's a good one. Claire. Oh, yeah. You know, Claire Claire doesn't know her history too well. Mm-hmm. She knows a little bit, mm-hmm. but she doesn't know a lot. And so they've gone into this with, with her remembering a couple of key facts. And she's now dealing with her PTSD. She's just, she's just not ready at all. Well, you see, this is one of the I, things that I'm afraid of and that I was afraid of. Uh, when we talked about the uh, listener feedback for the Fox's Lair. Mm-hmm. I didn't want Claire to become a passive presence. And it's going to be hard for me to see how she's going to be an active presence in this show. Oh, God, Blake, she's a healer. N- no, so as soon uh, no, as they I know. start to fight, Claire's going to be needed. No, I know, I know. But, um, you know, healing is healing. And, you know, getting people to come back to life and, and helping them out is a good thing. But is, that is a that's a byproduct of the plot. But I think it's great because so this this is Claire's story. It's Jamie and Claire's story, but Claire of course is the one that has the voiceover right now mm-hmm. and she is not in control of anything. This is a woman who who is in generally in control. She's a very smart woman, very independent, and now everything is out of her control. Things she said They've been trying for the past two years to stop something, yep. stop this war, and it still is happening. And she's not even quite ready now. No. And and she's worried that they still are going to lose. Yep. She can't help train these people. She's from the future. She knows totally different. What military knowledge she does know is completely different. 
and now she's dealing with her her PTSD. She just she lost her baby. I mean, still still that's recent and hard. Mm-hmm. And now she has all this fear that she's going to lose people that she loves. I, I'm worried for her. Well, I give them credit for giving her this PTSD uh, situation mm-hmm. because it did that provided, like I said, the emotional core for this episode. Yes, you know, seeing Jamie train and yell at people and uh, you know do his big rousing speeches and <sighs> which are amazing. Doing, they were great, and then you know, obviously Murtaugh, you know, just yelling at people, being drill sergeant, and then Dougal doing what Dougal does. Yeah, Covering it's, it's fine, like- whatever. Like it's it's okay, but what Claire went through, the emotional impact of what she had to do mm-hmm. and what she has to do is what gave it the grounding that you can appreciate so i will say they did somewhat manufacture a presence for her in this episode it's a tad manufactured but it's good and i appreciated what they did but it's also very legitimate People yeah it's, it's relatively yeah, oh yeah it's relatively organic I, i'll give you that but it's, yeah. it's also a tad manufactured too which is fine but going forward i mean are you going to continue to do the ptsd thing uh and how long and how much will that work well think about it claire really hasn't had time to fully digest what even happened to her in world war ii Mm -hmm. she came back and went out on her second honeymoon sure and disappeared right away (laughs) that's true she hasn't been able to digest it she barely probably has even had time to talk to Frank. I mean, she she said, I haven't even thought about this and I haven't even talked about this, yeah, how this could experience. She? Exactly. So for it makes sense that this brings it all about. Right. No, I I agree. And I loved it. I, I'm it the one who's, who's propping it up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I worry about making her an active presence in what she will do to push the story forward and not be a healer or yeah. just a healer, not be just there while jamie goes and fights the good fight you know not be just there while stuff is happening with dougal or 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 whoever but that's in my opinion that is the conflict this is a doer woman and she cannot do in this time yep she can't in this type of war she can't yep and the man that she loves is right there if anything claire could just run away and and try to go back to the stones but no the people she love is, is here right she can't, it's, her hands are tied. Think about how frustrating that is for, for any, any of you who are doers. You know, most people probably are. And if you can't change something, you can't change the Bonnie Prince's mind. You can't change history is what she's finding out. Things are starting to unfold. So um, another, another group that I want to say that is really not ready mm-hmm. are these poor Highlanders with their pitchforks. <laughs> I will tell you, though, I loved the shot after during one of the training montages mm-hmm. Of the Highlanders holding up their swords and their pitchforks. Yes. It's, it's also in the opening credits. Mm-hmm. That, to me, it reminded me of Braveheart. It uh, did. And I know that's easy to say because it's it's Scotland and war and all that other stuff. But it really did remind me of Braveheart. And I, it was kind of slow-mo the way that it happened. Absolutely gorgeous. It's probably my favorite shot of the entire opening now. Mm. I really like that shot. I, You know, these people... As as Jamie was saying, like they're just farmers. They don't have any formal training. They don't, or Claire might have been saying in her voiceover, they, they don't have any serious weapons. They, they, I love that guy when he's like, "When do we get a real weapon?" <laughs> <laughs> Poor thing. You got to learn where to stand first, you jabroni. <laughs> they they are not ready, and they aren't even ready to guard their camp. Two bad things happen. So right. so first, Dougal comes in with these ten guys that he just rustled up that didn't even want to be there. <laughs> just. Uh, 
bunch of dudes. Yeah. <laughs> just, just roped them on in. Just walking and around. luckily, Jamie says, you can go home. And then, of course, um, you know, we, we get to see William Gray, the little 16-year-old that comes in. Mm-hmm. Th- these guys can't even protect their hangout, okay? Right. How are they supposed to go to battle? So, in my opinion, they are not ready, and yet off they go. Let's go see the Bonnie Prince. <laughs> well, so, here's the thing. Who brought these people in there? What do you mean? Well, who brought the, all those, like the guys who decided to leave? Who brought them to the camp? The guys that decided to leave. So so Jamie and Claire had about 100 people sure. from Lord so Lovett. You, and, then, and then they had the Fraser people come on in. Right. And then uh, then you had the McKenzie people come on in. Dougal's there and <laughs> everything. like five. Yes. So, you know, th- what, I, what I'm getting at is this. Dougal was the person who brought those people, who just rustled yes. these guys up. Okay? Yes. Why I'm saying all of this is because in my mind, Dougal is the least ready to fight in this war. Mm. Least ready. Because he is thinking, oh, well, I can go and and just rush all these guys. I can charge at him with the Highland scream. Ah!" Look at my mud. You you got Rupert in the background, you know, with his man boobs flopping back and forth. (laughs) Stop it. And his belly, you know, rupturing up. I didn't even notice it, but now I'm never going to be able to watch that scene again. (laughs) Thinking (laughs) of that. I know. So they think, they legitimately think. Dougal legitimately thinks if we just run at these guys and scream as loud as we can with man boobs, we're going to win this war. And you know what, Dougal? You are so far from wrong, like from right that you're not even you're not even in the same world. You're not even in the same universe. You are you are in like Star Wars land. You're in Planet Zippy. He has no idea. And for the fact that he thinks that he knows more about war than Jamie Perhaps he is right, but perhaps he is right about an old way. Here's my question for you, though. Okay. Jamie's way doesn't work. We know this. They lose at Culloden. Mm. We know this. What if Dougal's way might have worked? Because you know what? I hate this old-fashioned war fighting situation where like everyone lines up and bam, 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 <laughs> and the front row dies, and then it's the second row, bam, bam, bam. I hate that. That's why the Americans won the freaking well, revolution. Well, I was going to say, not, not to pat ourselves on the back here, but that's that's how the Americans won. And so when I Let so me finish. Hold on. Oh, sorry. Hold up, 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 up. Sorry. I can't say let me finish. I know. Please let me continue. Um, they took a perfect amalgam of both. Mm-hmm. They took an amalgam. Well, they took one way that Dougal did it. They're taking another way of how Jamie wants to do it. And they pushed them the together. Americans. The Americans did. So that is how they ended up winning the war. I agree. Right? Fine. So when I saw but this. But you need both. But that, well, that's it. When I saw Dougal running down, I was like, you know what? <laughs> they could have changed history if they just, maybe, maybe they tried that way. Maybe if they tried the guerrilla no, because, style. You can't, you can't say that because I... It's easy to infer that that's what they did in the previous rebellions. And guess how that worked? It didn't. And again, he's not wrong that he knows more than Jamie does, but he knows more about how to fight his own people. He knows more how to fight the way that they used to fight in a way that is, again, it's, it's not that necessarily effective. You can do that with a gun, but you can't just charge it, guys, with swords anymore we're not in the middle ages anymore that battles aren't fought like that anymore at least at this time this is now beginning to become the um the 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 pretext 
to modern warfare. Mm-hmm. And Jamie is following along with this, which is great. He needs to. He needs to evolve. I just hate the whole lion thing. That's just my personal stance. I'm glad I wasn't born in those times okay. because I really don't think it was really and, good. And then to, to, to that end, I would say Scotland is least ready to oh, fight this war. Bless Scotland's heart. Scotland just, it, it, it doesn't have it. It doesn't have it. And I, I give them all the credit in the world. And I, I applaud their courage. And I applaud Jamie for trying to do this and trying to make it right. But they, they just, they don't have it. They don't. And they're not ready. They weren't ready. So to this point, no one is ready. Um, hmm, that, I mean, uh, if you're saying Scotland... If if we're saying that they're warfare tactics, I mean, heck, we know that they lose a Culloden, so I guess nobody's ready. <laughs> I guess that's what it is. I would say this whole thing is an ill-conceived uh, act of war. It's 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 just poorly conceived. It, it, they they waited for the right time. Getting back to our history of France episode, they waited for the right time because of the Austrian war succession, which is going on right now in Outlander in Outlanderverse. It is going on, and the English army, the British army, is over in Austria and in France. They're fighting the French. They're fighting everything, and the world is literally coming down on Austria uh, during this during this battle. So that it is the right time for the, the Scottish to invade England and say we're we're going to get the Stuarts back on the throne, but they are ill prepared. They are poorly trained. And as much as we like to think that all this 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 training and everything going on here in this episode is is hunky dory and everybody's on the right on the right page and they're not they don't have enough people they don't have foreign backing they they're just doing because they're doing and it's it's not going to end up well regardless of whatever Jamie and Claire try to do and regardless of whatever happens it's not going to go well for them it's just not they don't have they don't have enough they they only have a little bit. Only, only a little bit of resources, only a little bit of guys, a little bit of weapons. Uh, it's cute that they can steal the cotta pins from from the, uh, from awesome. the cannon. Really cute. Uh, but that's not going to be enough. And I think they all know it. I think Jamie knows it. Oh, you know, speaking of cute, you know who is so stinking cute? Oh, I know Fergus. what you're going to say. Oh, my word. Oh, my God. Both scenes of Fergus. Be still my heart. When he first sees Claire, my lady. Oh, I know. My lord. Oh, and he's complaining about having to wash Murtaugh's socks and Mendes Mendes socks. <laughs> and then Claire dismisses both of them as children. Yeah. <laughs> Go away, children. <laughs> and then when of course she's she her PTSD strikes when he's playing some some shinty. Right. And she you know, remembers kinda... back to the Americans playing baseball. Why do you think she got after Fergus? Uh because well ultimately, you know, now we know what she went through mm-hmm. and she got after Fergus because she doesn't want that for him, clearly. She doesn't want him to get involved. She doesn't want him to uh, to grow attached to these guys. They don't. She doesn't want him to be heartbroken when they don't come back. And she doesn't want him to feel like he can go off and fight. That's my opinion. What do you think? Oh, I wonder if part of her mind saying, oh, man. We should have sent him home. So he he know, he's the only one that knows how to make potatoes <laughs> with butter. Even. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, just seeing the youth. I think seeing someone so incredibly young yeah. and seeing those guys and um, just just their innocence. And I, he is there because she allowed it. 
he is there because Jamie allowed it. And whatever happens to him is on them. Mm -hmm. And it's great. You know, you haven't got a whole ton of interaction between Jamie and, and Fergus and Claire and Fergus, but what you have got has been quite special. And it makes you really appreciate the relationship that is growing between them. It's not just another kid that they've brought along. It's almost their son. Mm-hmm. It's almost, you know, it's their no, son, it but, it's but their a little bit more than their son. It's, it's like we said in a few episodes ago, he, he's someone that is, that his relationship is special, uh, but more advanced than a son, if you know what I mean, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's like, it's almost like a godfather, godmother. It's like Sirius Black. Yes. That's what it is. Nice. You're a wizard, Harry. It's like Sirius Black with Harry. You know, it's just, yeah, you can go do stuff and I'll always have you back no matter what, but you're your own man. I want to take care of you. Right? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you co-sign? I co-sign on that. All right. Now I want to talk about another youth, youthful character. Mm-hmm. Mr. Uh, William Gray, 16-year-old. Yeah. Okay. First off. Trying to slit Jamie's throat while Jamie is just taking care of business outside. <laughs> and then Jamie just throws him in his pee. Yeah, I, you know, I had seen the episode early when it came out on Thursday, and I knew that Jamie, you know, broke his arm and threw him down to the ground. But Blake, when he watched the episode, he goes, Ew, he just threw him in his pee. And I did not notice that either. Blake, you really, you bring some enlightened moments to my viewing. So now that I get to watch this episode again, I'm going to see pee and man boobs. Leave it to me to talk about pee and man Classy boobs. Classy man, let me tell you. Classy man. So, of course, he breaks his arm. Didn't go to college to get stupid, I'll tell you and, that. And uh, the, the guy comes in, uh, introduces himself. He, he's just this young little guy. And Claire decides to save the day by pretending to be held hostage. Now, here is something that happened differently in the books. Really? Okay. It wasn't Claire's idea. Really? Was yeah. it Jamie's? Yeah. Oh. So, when Claire, like, knees him. You know, because he's being a little rough. So in the books, um, he's 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 showing off a bit of Claire Claire's goods. Really? I mean, he's he's getting a little little. I mean, you saw even in the show, he's like rolling up her skirt and did, touching. Did her the girls come people. out in the book? Do you remember? Uh, I, oh God, I don't even remember how much because it just made me uncomfortable. I knew that Claire. <laughs> of course, the book is taken by Claire's perspective, and yep. Claire was not okay with this. I, I mean, she understood what he was going for, but really, like, what the heck are you doing, man? You're you're touching me in front of all these people. You're saying all these things, right? And um, so I really liked in in the show when she like gives it to him, and he yeah. goes, "Sir Smack." Yeah, <laughs> that was really cute. So this. This was nice that it was, in my opinion, her idea for the show, because at least it's once again, Claire, Claire did something. We were just talking about how Claire right. isn't able to do anything. Right. This is something that Claire could do. And of course, this young young man sees her, sees this poor English woman saying that she's being held captive. They want to ravage her. And he does the only thing he thinks he can do. Here is one of the few problems that I had with this episode. I also have another one, but we'll talk about this later. The first problem, and this is the reason why I gave it a 4.9. That's why it was just short of five kilts. The problem I have with this is that now this is the third episode in a row in which Claire fakes an act of some sort. Mm-hmm. You know, she faked the whole thing with the White Witch. She faked it again with Lord Lovett. Mm-hmm. And now she's faking it again. It's like it's... It's almost devaluing that whole aspect of what Claire is doing. What do you mean? It, it's like it, it's a well that they keep going back to. Oh, Claire comes in and saves the day because she pretends to do X, Y, and Z. You know, I remember you saying earlier, you know, Claire is the one who deserves the Emmy and not Kat. And 
the fact that that is coming you said about that jokingly. No, yes. I know. Of course, I know you said it jokingly. But the fact that that's coming about now, and we're saying that as a joke, of course, there's always a little bit of truth to every single joke. And I don't like the fact that the the show is holding it, it its crutch is Claire pretending to do something. I was happy that it wasn't Claire being accused of being a witch again. That's true. See, I will give them that. If if in this episode Jamie was like, oh yes, little William Gray. Oh yeah, uh, I'll find out. Guess what? My way for there's a witch. If if that had happened, I would have been like, all right, I'm done. I'm yeah. done with the witch storyline, guys. But yeah, she had to act a little bit. But listen, Claire has the right accent. Sure. Okay. She's a woman in distress, or could easily be viewed that because here she is with all these ruffian guys. <laughs> Ruffians. All right. You know. <laughs> I I think it's all Claire can do right now. Claire can't. Be one of these fighters with the muskets, with, mm-hmm. the, with the guns. She can't be leading the troops out there. Yep. So I, I'm happy. As I, This was a little different than it was in the book. I was happy to see this. But, I was happy to see that Claire could do something. And yes, it had to be acting. But if that's all Claire can do right now, by God, she's doing a good another, job. Another part of this uh, scene that I didn't like was that all of a sudden Claire just happens to walk into this room right after Jamie gets... Uh, almost assassinated and now they're starting to do this interrogation and all of a sudden Claire just walks right in boom 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 uh, yeah, well, come it's, on it's now. a small area oh no I know Jamie definitely like showed showed some lady parts oh he did he showed yes. the girls yes okay in the um, book in the book okay not in the show yeah I'm and glad that, that they didn't in the show yeah and, and that and that added to why she was very upset because now it's done in, in front of all these guys so I, I I like how they did this I, I'm fine with it being her idea I'm fine with her needing to act I, I, I actually but don't you think it. it was a little convenient for her to just all of a sudden walk into this room when they're doing an interrogation? No, she's around Jamie all the time. Yeah. And she's, Claire walks around. Listen, Claire gets to do whatever Claire she's always wants. always walking alone. Always. <laughs> and this time she didn't get in any trouble. So well, I was luckily. fine with that. But I did enjoy, I did enjoy the scene. I, I enjoyed what happened. Mm-hmm. I like seeing Jamie get mad. I liked seeing Ooh. him. Heat up uh, that heat up the thing and be a little dramatic. I mean, it wasn't as cheesy as throwing the alcohol into the fire in front of Lord <laughs> Lovett, uh, which I was happy about. I like seeing his character become uh, a leader uh, and a leader of men. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's growing into this role. I appreciate that. Um, and then I appreciate the forethought and uh, him improvising with Claire. You know, it takes a lot. It takes, you know, a little bit of... Um, guts to be on your feet like that and lie to this kid William Gray or whoever the hell this kid is uh you know it, it just I really really liked how Claire and Jamie are working together as a team I, I just wish it wasn't Claire acting and this kid William Gray I mean I feel like this this kid's gonna come back again uh in in a lot of ways uh well at least in a very specific way because it, it, there was a lot of foreshadowing here there was Obviously, William Gray saying, you know, I owe you a life debt and I'm going to uh, I intend on repaying that a gray never forgets his debts. Uh, it reminded me of the Lannisters almost a little bit there. Uh, but clearly this kid's going to come back. I'm not sure if it's going to be at the end of this season when there is obviously a battle and maybe Jamie, maybe they meet on the battlefield. Maybe Jamie gets hurt and he has an opportunity. Uh, William Gray has an opportunity to kill him and he doesn't and he lets Jamie go. Uh, or maybe later on in later seasons. I, I don't know. What I'm getting at is this kid is obviously coming back. And uh, it's very clear what's going to happen with him. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. I, I'm not going to go with the Outlandish Theory of the Week quite yet for him. 
but it's 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 coming. Okay. So um, I'll just say an interesting to that. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, I think we have pretty much concluded this first part of our conversation because I'm going to want us to talk a little bit more in depth. I wanted to have this general who's ready, who's not ready for this episode. And then in the next episode later this week, we're going to dig into a couple of more things Can, if that's okay with you. Is there one more thing you want to There's one more thing I want to say. Thank you for noticing that. I really liked the scene when Jamie says to William Gray, oh, looks like your, is your arm broken? Aww. And he just touches, touches it, and it. That was freaking so cool, man. I, I really liked that. How'd you lot. like Claire's little thing of saying that she feels like a dragonfly stuck in amber? That felt so forced to Aww. me. It felt so forced. Okay. It felt like it was, I mean, I understand the, the reasoning behind it because they have the dragonfly in amber stone that, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Human Roe gave uh, to to them at the end of last season. I get it. I understand why it's there. You know what I want? What? That's Donald DNA. <laughs> Where is it? Come on, here it is. Welcome to Jurassic Park. That's I, the first one of the season. I, I just can't handle anything stuck in amber ever again, <laughs> thanks to Jurassic Park. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, yeah, you know... I, I mean, I really liked what she was trying to convey to Jamie. Obviously, we played it at the beginning of this episode where she cannot be alone ever again. Mm -hmm. She cannot feel that defenseless, that vulnerable again. Ugh. And yet you think of that scene, that opening scene of the season, Blake. Right. And that, with her by the stones by herself. And that's the thing. Ugh. It makes me feel like Jamie cannot live up to this promise. It, may, it makes me feel like Jamie knows he cannot live up to this promise. He's trying his darndest, Blake. Give but, Jamie but, the, but the other thing, though, is that he is not lying either. He knows, well, he knows that Frank is back in England. He knows, he knows that. And that's why I think he's comfortable telling her, you'll never be alone again. And this is certainly going to come back by the end of this season, clearly, because we saw at the beginning. How for... Yeah, how frequently do you think Jamie thinks about this? We're, 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 we're going to wrap up in a minute, but as a husband, and of course he made this, he made Claire promise this, you know, if we're not going to make it, I want you to go back to Frank. That's why we're, I want to keep Frank alive. Yep. How frequently do you think Jamie has in his mind that Claire needing to go back is an honest to God possibility? Uh, I think he thinks it's a real possibility. And I think he often thinks about it. As a husband, you have to account for everything, especially when it comes to your wife. And I, and I don't mean this in a sexist way or anything. I mean it just as a loving husband. You're saying just as a partner. As a partner. Like, your job is... I mean, this could be also said of a wife for a husband, yeah, too. Yeah, that's why I said partner. So your job is to protect your partner. You know, you're, you're a team. Uh, and it's just it's you two against the world. I, I will keep throwing as many cliches out there as possible... Uh, to to make my point, it's just you two as partners, and nobody else is gonna is gonna battle for you. Nobody else is gonna get out there and make shit happen unless you two do it. And because of that, Jamie knows the real danger. I'm sure that he knows that Claire knows too, because she obviously has been in war before. She, as a result of what we saw in this episode, she knows that people die. She knows she's been right there. Not not just in a hospital, but on a battlefield. We've now seen it. Mm -hmm. So she knows. 
but Jamie is more familiar with, with what's happening in Scotland. And because of that, he knows that it's probably going to be ugly. And especially given the fact that even though he wants to believe they're going to change history, see, this is something that they, they, they're not getting into. I really wish they would get into Jamie's um, expectations, his fears about really changing history, really changing what's going to happen. Does he honestly believe he can do it? Well, I think we, we will be exploring that in the next couple of episodes. There's only four left. Right. Four. We are now getting into the back uh, quarter of this season. I mean, technically, we're, we're already there. And you and I are feeling that the last-ish episode will be in the future? Uh, no, will I think some it, of it, it, will will end, of it? it will end in the future. All of it or some of it? Uh, I would say some of it. I think the final five minutes are probably future. Ooh. I'm gonna I'm gonna up it and I'm gonna say the final twenty. Really? Twenty plus. Wow, that's the Because the last episode is going to be ninety minutes long. Oh, okay. All right. So with that, I feel like there's some major wiggle room and there's been some scenes in the opening montage now. Yep. Where I'm like, oh man, it, gonna... it looks like future. Yeah. Yeah, okay, let's do this. Let's do an over-under here okay. for, the, for the listeners. Over-under, ladies and gentlemen, 20 minutes. Uh, uh, no, I'll do this. You said five. No, no, I said over-under, 17 minutes. Who's going to take the over? Who's going to take the under? And I want you to I want you to come back, come back to us on the Outlander cast clan oh, gathering. okay. And uh, so whatever, whatever the over-under is, I'll set it at 17. If you think it's going to be over, great. If you think it's going to be under, let us know at the clan gathering, Twitter, or Instagram. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll take a vote. And we'll see, we'll see what people think. On that note, that wraps up this week's recap. We're going to uh, chat about some listener GBGs. All right, my love, what do you got from Facebook? Marilyn Thomas gives this episode 4.5 kilts and said that the good was Rupert, Angus, and Dougal. I thought it was very funny when they came running and screaming during training. <laughs> Love them. The bad... Claire acting again at the camp. She had been doing the past three episodes in a row. It's getting old, so Marilyn agrees with you, Blake. Yeah, Marilyn. Great. I loved the music and the vocals used in this episode. I cannot wait for the battle next week. I'm sure it will be great. I miss Scotland. I am so glad that we're back. And on Instagram, LA Crits Giraffin? Giraffin? That's a that's a name right there. Sorry if I totally messed it up. The good was Dougal is back. I've missed him. He's a very interesting character. And I'm just going to say, L.A., nice use of interesting right there. I agree with you. The bad was the lack of Jamie and Claire moments. There were some, and they were great, but we needed more. And the great was Claire's flashbacks from World War II. They were amazing. And I think we needed to be reminded that this isn't the first time she's going to war. Amen. And on Twitter, Brenda Sabo said, good, the World War II flashbacks, the bad, Jamie getting whipped. Oh, yeah, God, ah, ah, ouch. We're going to talk about that in the next episode. <laughs> and the great, the music. All right, it is time for the Kendra Thought of the Week. Hey, Mary and Blake, it's Kendra. I am just going to uh, come right out of the bat with my kilt rating and give this a nice big five. The last two weeks have been fantastic ones, and I feel like I'm finally watching Outlander again for the first time all season. Despite not liking the Paris section of the book much at all, I had high hopes for its redemption through adaptation. 
That having failed, I'm just so happy for the show to be back in rare form again. Before I get burned to the ground by book purists, let me say, there are parts I love about the books and parts I can't stand. And this is normal. It's what many normal people feel when they read with a critical eye, which of course not everyone does, but those of us who do have no choice in the matter. It's just how we read. It's how we approach things. For example, I'm currently reading Joe Hill's The Fireman, and it's amazing. I cannot put it down. However, the female protagonist in the story is obsessed with Mary Poppins. It's cute to a point, but so Soon, about a fifth of the way through the book, it's been pretty solidly beat to death, and every time she mentions Mary Poppins, I want to flick her and Joe Hill in the forehead. That said, one of the great things we're seeing about the adaptation of the second season is the tenderness and understanding that Ron Moore is bringing to the table. You may not think that World War II flashbacks are something that would normally be, de- be described as tender, but I do. Plot-wise, we've suffered. But in terms of characterization, there's a depth of human understanding in regards to dealing with trauma, which can be seen as tender in its understanding. Claire in the books kind of soldiers on, pardon the pun, in quite an English way after her World War II experiences. And while that may be true on the surface of things, the English still feel they've just been taught to stuff it all down in some deep, dark, deep, dark place. I'm, of course, speaking in general terms. Uh, The flashbacks and PTSD symptoms cut into this episode uh, gave so much more depth and complexity to Claire, a character I already admire more than any other in this series. I loved the introduction of Jesus H. Roosevelt Christ, muttered by the young airman, and am choosing to believe that this is where she picked up the phrase. Claire losing her cool with Angus for his appalling lack of hygiene was also fantastic and gives us the insight that Claire feels like she's desperately trying to chase a boulder down a hill, hoping to catch it before it reaches the bottom or launches itself off a cliff. She's fighting a losing battle and she knows it. I was ridiculously happy to see the the Mackenzie men again. As Ashley puts it, the wolf pack, and those PTSD flashbacks served another very important purpose. They made us even more aware just how much we have to lose in all of these characters as we move closer to Culloden. We care what happens, and I even felt a bit sorry for Dougal in an odd way. The same way, I guess, I always feel sorry for the older character when a younger character steps in and says, Move over, old man even when the younger man is Jamie. I also loved Claire's terrible acting with William Gray. I loved it because it was so bad, and I loved Myrta nearly pissing himself in the background, and her huge theatrical eye-rolling at Jamie. Katrina is just amazing. Uh, Speaking of William Gray, or Lord John, or however we're (laughs) referring to him at this point, that hair, goodness gracious, three weeks in a row— First, we get Sam's beard creature, and then Simon's beaver battle, and finally, we get the full Flannery O'Connor treatment. For those unfamiliar with Flannery O'Connor, I had an American lit professor in college who was obsessed with her, so I ended up getting quite familiar with her work as well. She can best be described as Southern Gothic, and one thing she does not do is write likable characters. She does, however, have some of the most deliciously appalling turns of phrase when it comes to physical descriptions. So when I saw Gray's hair, all I could think of was this quote from her short story, The Peeler. She sure was ugly. She had these here brown glasses and her hair was so thin it looked like ham gravy trickling over her skull. (laughs) <laughs> I can't, I, sorry, I can't read that without the accent. It's so Southern. 
Uh, one thing I loved as well, uh, and there are so many moments that I love, but Bear McCreary's score has hit a series high with this episode. It was absolutely stunning. Just uh, get you right in the bones. Uh, I want this soundtrack yesterday. My favorite image of the episode was Jamie and Claire leading the men over the crest of the hill. It was so powerful, and Jamie lifting his sword, wow, Red Jamie is in full effect. The one really questionable plot point in this otherwise fantastic hour of television is the fact that Gray finds their camp because of their exposed fires, yet what do they do to celebrate the successful raid? Why, build a huge bonfire with the wheels, of course. (laughs) All logic is gone. Uh, This was my favorite episode this season, and I'll go as far as to say it's in the top five of the whole series. I cannot wait for next week and pretty much every episode going forward. I can't wait to hear your thoughts as well, uh, Miriam Blake, and uh, thanks everyone for listening. Salut! All right, Kendra, thank you so much. As always, you. you bring it every single time, and we love everything that you have to say it's it's really it's it's an important part of this show and uh, she she always has she always brings something that i i always manage to forget or i'm just not smart enough to think of and that's why i love having her on and that's why she is the best editor-in-chief mm-hmm. i'm gonna say it on this planet amen that's it that's just how it goes amen. She, the best one on the planet uh but the best thing that's really and <laughs> everything the the best of everything of, of any invention of any topic anything in this world the best on this planet, the best thing that humanity has to oh my offer. God. Yes, Blake. <laughs> it's your outlandish theory of the week. I know. <laughs> so, you know, Ackroyds should be very happy because they actually sponsor the most important aspect of humanity, mm-hmm. which is my outlandish theory of the week. If it wasn't for this, humanity would it would crumble. It really would. Like their shortbread cookies, <laughs> which I'm looking at right now. Oh, God. They have dark chocolate peppermint shortbread cookies. Wow. That sounds delicious. This is why you're the host. You get this. You connect these things. Or I have ADD. One or the other. (laughs) So we want to let you know, as always, of course, as Mary was just saying, this Elden Industry of the Week, the greatest part of humanity, is brought to you by Ackroyd's Scottish Bakery. For over 60 years, Ackroyd's Scottish Bakery has been making traditional Scottish baked goods with contemporary flair. Throughout the second season of Outland, they will offer not a mediocre, but a... But a, I don't know what. This is the second time you've done this to me. Because I'm too busy looking at their tea cakes. But a special, <laughs> sorry, not a mediocre, but a special a menu. Special menu of Outlander inspired de- delicacies. You want to try it again? Yeah. No. <laughs> Just kidding. Not, not a mediocre, but a special menu of Outlander inspired de- delicacies. We ship throughout the U.S. Check out www.acroidsbakery.com for more info and tell them that me and uh, my wife Mary sent you and use the coupon code Outlander. To get 5% off of your purchase. In- including black pudding, guys. So black pudding. it was mentioned in this week's episode. <laughs> that was great. So what do you call pudding? And she's like, pudding. pudding. <laughs> and the Jesus H. Roosevelt Christ. That's where she gets it from. Yep. Ugh, but just so you know, they, they sell. Uh, Ackroyd's Bakery sells black pudding. So, all right. <laughs> give me your theory. All right. So I already kind of got to this already, but I'm going to say it again. Jamie knows this whole thing is not going to go well. He knows. And that is why he says to Claire, you will never be alone because he already knows he's sending her back through the stones, just like how he did in The Devil's Mock mm-hmm. in the first season. He already knows it. 
and he and he did it to her then he's gonna do it again and that's why i feel like she's so bewildered and she's so pissed off when she wakes up in 1948 because i don't think she expects it and i don't think she is going to expect it when it's actually even going to happen uh something is just going to happen and that's going to be the end of it and then i get a bonus theory here oh yeah Dougal's going to die this season and he's going to die this season and he's probably probably going to die oh, one of two things. He's either probably going to die from either trying to kill Jamie or trying to save Jamie. Either one. I'm not sure quite yet. I haven't let that marinate. This is why it's a bonus. But I do know that these two in this episode showed me these two cannot coexist with each other. They cannot. They can play nice for a little bit, but there is no way. Dougal will allow Jamie to be who he is. You think it's like the prophecy from Harry Potter. <laughs> You're a wizard, Harry. One cannot live while the, the other, other survives. <laughs> One cannot live while the other survives. <laughs> <laughs> so in this world, I guess that I guess Dougal's a Voldemort and and Jamie is Harry. Okay. And uh he has his uh Horcrux. He's the chosen one. He has Dougal's Horcrux within him. <laughs> okay. Well, we're going <laughs> to wrap sounds up bad. We're going to wrap up that theory. Yes, yes we will. So either way, Dougal's going to die because they they just can't coexist with each other and that is that. And uh Bonnie Prince, what do you have to say to that? Mock me. Please hang up and try again. That's right there, Charlie. Always mock me at the end of these things. You can guarantee it. You should ring the bell right away. I might as well just ring the bell, right? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Sure, but My my love, uh, final thoughts. Final thoughts? I'm just excited for this week. I'm excited for the listener feedback. I'm excited to chat even more about this episode. And I'm really excited for the podcast awards voting. I'm just going to plug it because it's literally like... Shameless plug. (laughs) Got it. We got it. How about you? I'm looking... I really liked this episode. The other thing, uh, I, I teased this earlier. The other thing I didn't like about this episode was that Jamie has become just great at everything. Like, he was great as a wine salesman. And then he was great as a politician. He's the king of men for a reason. Yeah, like. I know, I know, I know. But what I wanted from Jamie is, like, he goes and he and he, and he goes to uh, get the, the artillery. And he takes the cotta pins and burns the wheels. And then he, like, runs into the room and... There's Claire and she's sleeping and he's like, oh, this is great. Blah, 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 blah. And maybe he feels good. Maybe there is this rush of being who he is and being good at what he does. But he's all of a sudden now this commander who knows everything there is to know about about leading men and commanding commanding uh, uh, soldiers. Mm -hmm. And then there's no real emotional attachment. There's no real emotional grounding there. I wish I could see Jamie struggle a little bit. Almost like how he struggled with Lallybrock and knowing that he just wasn't quite a laird yet. You know, my darling, I'm just going to say patience. <laughs> patience. We need to see Jamie be a, be this leader. He's been very, uh, he's been dealing with a lot of stuff this, this whole season. Yep. And I'm excited to see this because Jamie, Red Jamie... He's he's a yeah, commander. That's, that's another thing. Red Jamie. I didn't understand that. That that was that's just... his nickname because of his fiery red hair. Ah, uh, okay. So he's he's wanted. He's a wanted man. Red um, Jamie. Okay. Yeah, Red Jamie. Gotcha. That's his nickname. All right. Fine. Well, see, I just want a little bit more emotional grounding for Jamie as the commander of men. It just seemed like he jumped into it. He's great at it. All of a sudden, he knows he how to lead these people, and 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 it's just 
that's that's just the way that it is. He we was have to born to it. lead. Ah, you see, but I, it, mm, you have to have some, you have to have something grounded there. Like they grounded Claire this episode. It was perfect. They did such a great job. You got the emotional weight. You got the reason why she was so, one of the reasons why she was so pissed off at the beginning of this season. Knowing now what we know between Faith, between the lashings, between uh, her PTSD, that whole opening sequence has so much more meaning. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of Battlestar Galactica. So say we all. When remember the boxing episode, mm-hmm. and that you saw um, uh, Starbuck and Apollo, they were boxing each other, and they kept showing the flashbacks while they were boxing. And when, normally you'd say, "Oh God, that's so stupid. Why are they boxing?" But knowing what happened, um, it that became I think probably my first or second favorite episode of that whole run for Battlestar Galactica because it gave new meaning to what happened between the two. I'm just going to tell you this. Jamie was raised to be a Laird, okay? He was raised in Lollybrock. He was, he was, he watched his dad. He, it, he, I mean, granted, he had to leave pretty early on. Yeah. And he's gotten to go and he's, he's gone through a lot of trials, Blake. This is a guy, he's not had an easy life. We've got to watch him for, for a season and a half have a pretty rough life. We missed out on the first part of his life when he was young and he got to watch uh, how, how to run Lollybrock. Right. And then he got to watch a column. Okay, so he's he's learned this stuff and he has been in wars and now he has been around the Bonnie Prince. He's he's had enough struggles. I think Jamie has definitely shown himself and proven himself and gone through enough struggles. And I am excited to see him. I just want to see him fail. He's Blake. I want to see him fail. And I don't I don't mean like fail like catastrophic. This is the end of the war. I'm going to die. Fail. I mean, like make a poor decision. Buddy, it's called Culloden. We already know he fails. So why not set him up? We know we were told in the first episode that they lose a Culloden. Yeah, but we, is, we, is that specifically because of Jamie? We don't. I don't know that yet. No, no, we we don't know. This is this is the whole t- conversation about time traveling, and and remember how we were saying maybe this is all their fault. <laughs> yes. So yes. I'm just saying that here's Jamie. We know in the very beginning that they lose a Culloden, mm-hmm. and now Jamie is on this whole like let's go fight and try it out anyway. You know he's going to lose, so why not let him be that hero on that steed with the sun behind his back for at least one episode? I did Give really, us that. They, it did really look beautiful. This Stop whole... picking. You know you're just jealous, man. <laughs> you just want me to take a picture of you with the sun behind your back, holding the holding the sword in front of my face, your hair, doing the salute with my hair blowing yes. in the wind. Can I die at red? Is that too? what some of this is? Are you just a little jealous that he was like, he was on point this episode? I'm a little jealous of Jamie. I, I gotta, I gotta admit. Thank you. I've always, I've always been a little jealous of Jamie because he's just always so good. He always gets everything right. Well, and maybe it's just because I'm a dull married man that just you know sucks at everything. Maybe for the <laughs> for the small bit of podcasting that I do, but. I, I'm a little jealous of Jamie. You don't suck. I love you very much. Don't be jealous. All right. You want to close Jamie's out the show? Fictional. <laughs> yes. Thank God he's fictional. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, thank you, everybody. Thank you for listening to me opine 
and uh, and kvetch a little bit about Jamie and admit to you that I am somewhat jealous of this man, of this fictional man, which I have no reason to be jealous of for whatever reason. Would it be better if I said I admired him? Yes. Yeah, okay. I secretly admire him a little bit. Thank you. A little bit. All right, everyone. It kills this me to say that, by the way. Final reminder super important to Blake and I that you head on over to the podcast awards and you vote. Vote, vote, vote every single day this week if you can. Let's uh, cross our fingers and see what happens, guys. The power of Outlander. Hands in. Let's do it. (laughs) Go Go team. team. (laughs) Until next time, ladies and gents, I'm Mary Larson. My name is Blake. And you've been listening to the 60th episode of Outlander Cast. The 60th episode of an award winning, hopefully, but we already got the award. We got the Emmy. What else? We, we got the Call the Cot. You know, we got the Nobel. I, I received it in the mail yesterday, by the way. I got it, which is fine. And the Marconi is coming, too. So now we just need the podcast awards. Hopefully, we'll get that. We'll find out in a week from now. Thanks, guys. You've been listening to an Emmy award-winning show of Outlander Cast. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.